This is the Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going and he's smart and he's strong and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Now, here's Roger Stone. Welcome back. I'm Roger Stone, and yes, you are on the Roger Stone Show. Joining us now is Rich Barris. Rich is the director of Big Data Poll and the data journalism editor at People's Pundit Daily. We just call him Rich Barris, the People's Pundit. Uh, to my mind, he is one of the most uh, authoritative, uh, reliable, and I think uh, intuitive survey researchers in the country today. Uh, that means pollster for those who are not in the business. Uh, so, Rich Barris, welcome to The Roger Stone Show. Thanks for having me, Roger. It's good to be here. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, very much appreciate uh, getting your point of view on a number of things, but uh, we have seen this trend in the last six months, actually, even longer, uh, where every time Donald Trump is attacked uh, legally, uh, whether it is in uh, D.C. or Georgia or New York or, or even uh, South Florida, uh, counterintuitively, he seems to gain votes in the Republican contest. He seems to gain intensity in his vote in the Republican contest. And he continues to maintain more than competitive positioning vis-a-vis -vis Joe Biden in terms of both the swing states uh, and nationally. Uh, talk to us about this phenomena. Yeah, I mean, this is something that runs counter, like you said, to everyone's conventional wisdom, uh, you know, that somebody has, you know, facing 91 indictments, that that would be the end of their political career. But, uh, you know, as we have seen since Donald Trump came on the stage, uh, these rules, you know, the normal rules, Roger, just don't apply to him. And I think that's in part because of his personality, also in part because of that he's not a politician. He was never a politician. And then he was a very different kind of president. And, uh, and, and people are going to wind up studying how it's possible for years to come. But there is no doubt that uh, every time they do come after him, the American public, uh, you're going to have Democrats always believe what they want to believe. But the larger American public has viewed this for what I think you know, I would think it is, you think it is, uh, which is a, a president who's vulnerable going after his political opponent who he cannot beat at the ballot box. And even if Donald Trump was down, Americans still were telling us, and when he was down, Americans were still telling us that if, if it's Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, Trump's going to win this time. So, you know, it, in their minds, this is just an attempt, and it scares them. It scares them. It, it's the cream, you know, it, it's it, it's basically the cream on, you know, the, the, the last straw. Let me put it that way, because they've seen so much over the last six years or so. Um, you know, the primary, for instance, really broke out when these indictments came because there was a certain segment of the population who didn't believe that Joe Biden would go through with it, didn't believe that his political enemies would really go this far. And when they did, they woke people up. They woke a lot of people up. 
Have you uh, seen new polling uh, in the wake of what's uh, happened uh, in New York uh, late last week? Uh, yeah, I mean, specifically to New York, uh, no, but nationally, uh, we're in the field right now. And, you know, it, it, things, of course, have to be weighted and processed. But after you're doing this for as long as, as I have, you can, you know, you can look at the, the raw collection and glean what's going on. Uh, this will probably be one of Donald Trump's strongest um, results in, you know, give or take 12, 14 months. Uh, we've had him obviously trending uh, to this, this race, this rematch, trending for, to Trump for a while. It tightened uh, last month a little bit. And, you know, just with, with us, if, if you had to twist my arm, Roger, I'd say that there's just so much going on with uh, immigration in the cities. Uh, the, the the indictments, right? So it looks like somebody, a regime is failing to govern and is uh, persecuting that opponent who did a better job. And I think that's really what it comes down to. You can watch the proceedings in New York and Americans are thinking to themselves very simply, Donald Trump is a better president. And I turn on my TV and he's in a courtroom. This is crazy. And it, it, sometimes politics can be that simple. The uh, one of the points that I have made here on the Roger Stone show a number of times is uh, that despite the uh, American people's fascination with polling uh, and the immediate focus on the horse race, that there are polls and then there are polls. In other words, uh, a poll can be designed to get a desired result that's done by uh, by manipulating the sample, by the order of the questions, by the wording of the questions. Uh, and then there are polls that are designed to get an honest result. In other words, a snapshot in time. It's an accurate reflection of what the voters think at that at, at any given time. Now, any poll, as you know, uh, is outdated virtually the minute it's completed because... Well, public opinion changes. It shifts sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but it still shifts. What uh, I respect about your work is that you are scrupulous about trying to find out not what you want to see happen, but what is actually happening. Uh, and therefore, people uh, who are poll crazy need to recognize that not all polls are equal and not all polls are taken with the purpose of finding out what's really going on. So, for example, a poll can be manipulated in order to enhance fundraising for a given campaign. Perhaps that can't be done at the presidential election because there are so many polls that one takes an average across the board, but certainly in local and state elections, I have seen this happen. Robert F. Kennedy, uh, talking now uh, about pretty much an open secret, uh, saying that he will run as an independent. Uh, uh, those who run as an independent need to recognize that they begin with no party base whatsoever. So uh, the weakest Republican, the weakest Democrat in any given race begins with a sizable party base of people who will vote for the party nominee regardless of who that is. To my surprise, Robert Kennedy 
even though that he is the son of a former U.S. senator, the nephew of a uh, of a slain president, not as well known in the country uh, as you might think. Uh, what do you think his impact in this race uh, as uh, an independent will be? That and, and you said a lot of really important things in there. Uh, you, you, people should watch going forward the ordering of questions. We see this with my good friends at YouGov, uh, you know, asking things like, have you heard about the Trump indictments? And then, oh, by the way, who are you going to vote for? Yes. You know, approval ratings, favorability ratings, ballot tests, they have to be front loaded in surveys. That's something we all used to know and, um, you know, it, and used to call people out on. And now it's common practice today. So with, I would just caution people that with everything going on, watch out for stuff like that, because there's a lot that they could do to twist uh, or, you know, to impact, to taint the results of that survey. The survey we're doing now is really and we've been asking a lot about different things about Robert Kennedy. What the survey we're doing now is specifically, I would say the main theme of this survey is to find out where his support comes, who does he draw from, where does he draw it from, where, what part of the country. I would say this, uh, you know, the campaign polling should always be taken with a grain of salt. It's campaign, it's PAC, or at least a poll showing that when you, and Roger, you know this, you've been in politics a long time. When you ask generically about an independent or somebody else, third-party candidate, they tend to get more than when you actually name the candidate. And the memo his campaign put out said that actually Robert Kennedy gets more than the generic independent. We're not going to find that. I can tell you that right off the bat. When you name Robert Kennedy's support goes down about four or five points. So I, we've done this in the past, and actually so have others. There's a bit of confusion over who he is. They get conf There's a chunk of voters who get confused. They know the name, but they don't really know him specifically, and they actually uh, can confuse him with other members of his family. It's really crazy, and that's something. Why does that matter? Because as we get into the silly season, if he does get on the ballot, people are going to get more familiar with him, and that will change the impact of his support. Um, Trump's lead, I will say this. We've been asking people... If your guy is not the nominee, and we ask this of Republicans and Democrats, if your guy is not the nominee, what are you going to do? And are you going to vote for the inevitable nominee? Are you going to vote third party? Are you going to vote for potentially for the other nominee of the other party? Not vote at all. You could write them in the ballot. We're asking all these different things. With Robert Kennedy's support, which we have had lower than others in the primary, you know, 12 to 15 percent. He's never gotten, you know, as, as high in our polling as others. He'll probably be around 12 in this one against Joe Biden in the, in the nomination. With his voters, though, 30, 33, you know, ballpark have always said, if Donald Trump is the nominee, I will vote for him. Now, that's, a th that's something. Why does that matter? It's like a Bernie effect in Michigan. A lot of Bernie Sanders voters in the primary ended up voting for Donald Trump, and it swung uh, Michigan or helped swing Michigan to Donald Trump. If he does get ballot access, there's going to be some of that vote that comes off the table for Donald Trump. I do still think, though, Roger, that some people are going to say, I will vote for Trump because they'll know either Biden or Trump are going to win the election. Robert Kennedy is not. So they're not going to want to throw away their vote. But right now, it is really close on who it hurts more. Um, when all is said and done, uh, looking at this, you know, we're talking margins, elections being one of the margins here. When all is said and done, Trump's lead does look durable enough to weather this right now. Um, we'll see what happens going forward. But if I was the Trump campaign, I'd swing away and I'd start swinging away now. I really would. Um, West 
draws a little bit from Biden, but RFK does draw from both. So, um, you know, the, the you know, the, the bottom line is here, his support is not coming from the Northeast, where the Kennedy family is known. It's coming from the Midwest and the South. And that can only uh, you know, that can only serve to hurt Donald Trump and, you know, in in the, at least the short term. But again, as the campaigning goes on and more gets known about him, I think that party party affiliation strict and people will wind up going back home. But, you know, if it's a close race, it could have an impact. Yeah, and that, of course, is the historical tradition. You saw this uh, with Ross Perot. Uh, you saw it even earlier than that, 1968, uh, with George Wallace, uh, yeah. where independent uh, or third-party candidates poll earlier, poll better earlier in the contest. But as the actual election day approaches and voters begin to realize that not only can the candidate they support not win, but voting for them could inadvertently help elect someone that they particularly don't want, uh, the independent or third-party candidates have a tendency to fade. Uh, it is interesting to me that Robert Kennedy, uh, uh, some of whose positions uh, I really like, uh, the only Democrat in favor of sealing our border, the only Democrat opposed to uh, giving $2 billion to the genocidal regime in uh, uh, in Iran, the only Democrat who is skeptical about giving billions of more uh, to Ukraine, really does not talk in his campaign much about uh, his uh, ardent, uh, even radical support for the climate change agenda, doesn't talk uh, about uh, his pro-abortion position, uh, and uh, has appears to me to have tried to at least modify uh, his once hardline pro-gun control position, uh, which I I'm not sure whether that was to make himself uh, more palatable to Trump voters. Perhaps he bought into that notion that I spoke about uh, earlier on the show with uh, Mark Caputo uh, of The Messenger that uh, once Trump was the subject of all this uh, lawfare, these these various legal attacks on him, that his campaign would collapse and his votes would redistribute. Uh, but it is uh, interesting uh, that, uh, that Kennedy has stressed peace and freedom issues. In fact, he even, to the extent that he can, he downplays his position on vaccinations. That's because uh, none of the polling that I have seen shows that that position is of uh, great uh, advantage to him. Yeah, I, I, I think, again, you said something, too, very important, again, that they do poll strong earlier, and then they fade. And I, you brought up the vaccine position. This is a position Democrats hate, Roger. You know, the, they'll call him an anti-vaxxer, and this is uh, a point I want to stress to people. His, what is his strategy? He's going to announce, and he's going to wage his attack against the DNC. Democrats are a hive mind, and they will start to look at him, even the Democratic support he has now. Uh, there's not enough orphan Democrats for him to maintain a real solid base among that party. He'll draw some, but they'll start to circle the wagon. And then what I would expect to happen is that when that occurs, Republicans will see that, and they'll say, well, if 
if I continue to support RFK, I'm going to throw this thing to Biden. It's possible I could throw this thing to Biden. In an election, we should otherwise win. So I just think that when you talk about these issues, they love them on the greenies. Maybe he'll pull some of those greenies over. Uh, but when it comes to vaccine and other stuff like that, uh, it's, it's going to be a hard pill for the southeastern educated, now Democratic voter in Pennsylvania, for instance, in Montgomery and in Delaware County. Uh, definitely difficult pill for people in Oakland and Michigan to swallow. Uh, but, you know, and there will be some flip side to that. And there's going to be some, you know, NRA statements he made. He, he, you know, once tweeted the Parkland shooters or the Parkland families, excuse me, are right. The NRA is a terrorist organization. That's not going to play over well in Erie County, Pennsylvania. That's not going to play over well in Northampton, right? And in southwestern Pennsylvania. So it's interesting because he does have these strange, strange positions. I know. Others would say that's because, you know, that's why he's running as an independent, because he has positions from across the board. I don't know. At the end of the day, when you look at his record in totality and his statements in totality, it's the vaccines that will scare away the Democrats. It's everything else that will scare away Republicans, almost everything else. Uh, folks, if you are just tuning in, this is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC Radio. Uh, you can listen to us worldwide at WABCRadio.com. And of course, if you're in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, don't touch that 770 AM uh, on the AM radio dial. We're talking to Rich Barris, uh, director of the Big Data Poll and the data journalism editor at People's Pundit Daily. We just call him Rich Barris, the People's Pundit. Uh, he is a pollster who I think very much has his finger on the pulse of the America voting public. Uh, and we're talking about um, our favorite subject here on The Roger Stone Show, the 2024 presidential campaign. Rich, looking at, at these debates uh, and looking at your data and the data elsewhere, uh, is the Republican contest for the presidential nomination over? Short answer, yes. And the, the last debate was really bad for the, you know, I don't even want to call them second tier candidates because historically they're not. They're bottom tier. All of them are bottom. There is only one top tier candidate. It's not that he's a front runner. This is historically dominant in a way we've never seen before. When I try to look back uh, in, in the polling to find something that's historically comparable, the closest thing <coughs> we can get is not not Hillary versus Obama, like so many of the, uh, you know, never Trump campaign want to talk about. It really is Bush and McCain, which turned in to be a slog. But Bush didn't have this solid of a lead because Bush's voters weren't this decided. Over the last couple of months, not only has Trump, you know, continued to increase his lead, but the people who say that they are solid, I am not changing my mind, is now north of 80 percent in some of these states. That's just not reversible, Roger. It's just not. I mean, Mitt Romney's lead right now is a few points. Uh, Trump's lead in 2015 was seven and a half, ballpark seven and a half. Uh, Giuliani had one very similar. He lost it because of the Florida strategy, not because of the viability of his campaign. He went in a historically different direction. Trump's lead is in the 40s, 50 points, you know, in some of these polls. In our poll right now, just to give you an idea, He's going to be close to 50 in the primary um, race. Uh, in, in I, 
obviously things change, but it's going to be closer to 50 than 40. Um, so this is a race that really is not competitive. This is something that, you know, the media loves to draw on because they like horse races. They like clicks, they like ratings, and they like advertisements. They want, they want something to be dramatic. But the truth of the matter is this is the least competitive presidential nomination I have seen in my lifetime, which is supposed to be competitive, one that, you know, he, they're, they're talking about it like he's not an incumbent. And the truth is he's a bit of a hybrid between an incumbent and an insurgent. And this is even when it was closer back in or I would say right after the 2022 elections, you could still look inside the numbers, Roger, and see that it really wasn't going. There wasn't going to be a point where DeSantis or anybody caught him because his lead with non-work, non-college voters was just too big. Even when DeSantis led a little with college voters in order to beat Trump in a nomination, you would have to clobber him with college voters and keep the non-college close. That never really was going to happen. And now we're looking at leads and non-college leads that are 55, 60 points. It's huge. I've never seen anything like this. And then now he even leads with the college voters. So the lanes are closed. The beer track is closed. The wine track is closed. There's just nowhere to go. And that's why they're not breaking out. It's, it's uh, you know, it's, The the Republican Party adores this man still, and people misread the room badly. These other candidates, they really did believe that the party was ready to move on. They misread the room. That's it. It is over. All right. Unfortunately, we are out of time. I want to thank Rich Barris, the director of Big Data Poll. We call him the People's Pundit. Thank you, Rich, so much for joining us on The Roger Stone Show here at 77 WABC Radio. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.